wonderful to see you today. Are you guys ready to praise the Lord today? The word says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We are here today to worship him and to give him glory, to give him honor because he's worthy, amen? He is worthy of the praise, he is worthy of the adoration, and he is worthy of the glory. glory, glory. So why don't you stand to your feet? Yeah. Let's give him glory today. Sing this with us, glorious. Yeah. Put your hands together. Sing it with us now.
are the King of glory. And we worship you today. Father, despite all the things that we're seeing in the world, the challenges that we are experiencing, Father, we want to give you nothing but glory. You're worthy of it. Your word says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. So, Father, today, with all the challenges that we see, with all the resistance that we come up against, Father, we want to do nothing but give you glory. So right now, children, why don't you just take some time right now? Why don't you just take some time right now? to know him We will 
Just wanna be with you. 
vision. We just want to be in your presence, Lord. Glorifying your name, magnifying your name. Thank you, Lord. Father, we've seen you work so many times in our lives. Pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Help us to remember the power. Sing this Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd But you have Sing it to him. Seen you move. I've seen you move. 
Thank you, Lord, that you've been powerful in our lives by saving us from sin, by separating us to yourself, so that, Father, we could be a beacon of light to the world. Father, we ask that right now, that as we move forward within this service, that you'll speak to our hearts, Lord you will help us, Lord, that we will grow to look more and more like your son. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word that will be preached today. We ask that you will open it up to our understanding, Father, so that we can receive it and make it a part of our lives, so we will walk in your way. Father, we ask that you will allow us, Lord, that we can be a blessing to those around us, on our jobs, in our homes, whether it's downtown or whether it's uptown, whether it's friends or family, that we can witness to them of your goodness, your faithfulness to us and to them. Father, we will be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, Thank you, Lord, for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. All of God's people present said, Amen. Amen. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Maybe so. Hey, Converge Church. Welcome to our live in-person worship experience. We are so grateful to see each of your faces here today. We want to give a special welcome to any of our first-time guests. If you are a first-time guest, thank you because you could have chosen to be anywhere and you chose to be here with us. If you are a first-time guest, we have a small token of appreciation for you, just a way, our way of saying thank you for joining us. So if you would stop by our Connection Center at the end of the worship experience, we can give you that gift. We appreciate you. Converge family, we also want to make you guys aware of a few things that we have going on here in the couple of or the days and weeks ahead. First and foremost, 
hour, I have decided in person, I have decided water baptism experience will be on Saturday, September 11th at 5 p.m. If you have made a recent decision to follow Jesus and would like to participate in this important faith milestone, we want to do that with you. So please send us an email at admin at weareconverged.com and we'll get each of you guys the pertinent details. Next up, we are in the midst of summer. Summer here in Texas gets kind of hot. We have Converge merch available for purchase. We've got something for everyone, t-shirts, hats, tumblers, even masks. So if you would like to purchase it, you can stop by our merch table at the end of the worship experience. Or if you want to, you can go online to store at store.vrconverge.com and purchase it there. Also, we want your help. If you want to stay included and abreast of all of the things that we have going on here at Converge, follow us on social media. We're on various platforms, so if you want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, you can find us at weareconverge.com. Be sure to like, be sure to follow, be sure to subscribe, and most importantly, share it with your friends and family. Alrighty? Thank you. So, then next up, we are in the blessed life segment of our worship experience. This is the, it's my favorite part, you guys. And this is the part where we all have the opportunity to partner financially and help Converge deliver the gospel, both here in person and virtually online. So if you would like to do that with us, we've got multiple ways that you can join us in that. First, here in person, we've got ushers in the aisles with envelopes. If you need some, just raise your hand. There are ink pens on the back of the seats in front of you. We just ask that you fill those envelopes out in its entirety, and then you can place them in the receptacle on your way out at the end of service. If you'd like to give online, you can do so safely and securely by going to www.weareconverge.com forward slash give. And you can also text Converge Give to 77977. Be sure to include the dollar amount. Amen? All righty. Thank you guys so much for your generosity. As you do help us deliver the gospel to the nations, let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to sow into helping build your kingdom. We thank you for the provision that you have given us because you are our source, Father God. We thank you for every family that has given. We pray that you would multiply their generosity back to them. And we thank you for the hearts of those that would love to give, but in this season are unable to. We pray that you would bless every seed sown, and we pray that you would use it, God, for your glory and to build your kingdom. We love you. We thank you. We appreciate the honor and the privilege to partner in this way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for your attention. Enjoy the rest of the worship experience.
Welcome home to Converge Live. We're so glad you joined us uh, for our in-person worship experience. But not only those of us who are in person, we'd like to also welcome all of you who are joining us virtually uh, on Converge Online. Come on, let's show our love for all of those who are joining us virtually for our worship experience today. Listen, this is week seven already. Uh, you know the old saying, funny how time flies when you're having fun? Uh, it's just amazing that we're already uh, in week seven of our current summer sermon series, Get Out. Uh, it's just been a fun time because we had the opportunity to read through God's Word together, and we spent uh, the lion's share of the month of July and then also, I'm sorry, June, and then I think the first uh, two weeks of July in the book of Exodus, as well as our weekly in-person gatherings. We've been diving into God's Word together, and we've been uh, learning these life lessons from the book of Exodus, all right? We're going to pick up where we left off uh, last week, and uh, uh, well, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, but today I plan to tackle the text, and it is a familiar uh, passage of Scripture, but I think we're going to put a 2020 spin on this timeless passage of scripture. I will do my best, come on somebody, to bring the Ten Commandments forward to 20, did I say 2020? I meant to say 2021, come on somebody, a 2021 spin on the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, uh, one of the most beloved passages in all of scripture. Before we do that, I would be remiss if I did not give big props, a huge thank you to our son and daughter in the faith, right, Koketso and Kolo Makafola, they are responsible for taking me all the way to Wakanda tonight. Come on, somebody. Wakanda forever. They brought this back uh, for me from South Africa, and uh, so thank you guys so much. Listen, uh, they bought this shirt by faith. <laughs> Believing that Pastor Ray, 2021, Pastor Ray, with all this COVID-19, come on somebody, right in here would fit into this shirt. But it's a little snug, but thank God, about two or three Christmases ago, Pastor Wendy invested in some male Spanx for Pastor Ray. Come on somebody. So that's my secret weapon tonight, holding all of this together. It's some male Spanx, come on. Uh, yeah. I was in my feelings when she first bought it because I'm like, what am I going to do with this? But her gift was actually prophetic. She knew there would come a time when Pastor Ray would need to hold it all together. And so if it seems like I'm laboring to breathe tonight, come on, somebody. You can give all the credit to Pastor Wendy. Amen. All right. Let's pray, and we'll dive into God's Word together. Father, we love you. Uh, we honor you. We thank you, Lord, for your precious holy word. Lord, open our eyes now that we might behold wondrous things from your word. And Father, I pray tonight that your word would fall upon good ground and that it would bear much fruit, fruit that will remain. We yield ourselves now completely and implicitly to what the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. You are the teacher. We trust you now to instruct us. 
in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Listen, I have chosen uh, for tonight's title, the title of tonight's message, uh, uh, how many words is that? Five words. Here it is. Get it out of me. Yeah. Get it out of me. Jesus made this bold declaration, it's not what goes into a person's mouth that defiles them, but it's what comes out of them. He went on to say in Matthew chapter 12 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The words we speak reveal the condition of our hearts, how healthy or toxic we might be. The correlation there is simply this. I said it before, and I think I said it in week one, that it took God one night to get the Israelites out of Egypt. But it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of them. So say this with me. Get it out of me. Yeah, yeah. So tonight, I believe that God wants to do this work, uh, this open heart surgery, mm, Uh, open heart surgery, uh, to get it, to get Egypt out of us. Because for for the Israelites, their trajectory was taking them toward the land of promise, but their actions and attitudes were tethered to Egypt. Now, I'm going to bring this forward a little bit because this issue is not just unique to the Israelites coming out of Egypt. We see the same sort of admonition, the same exhortation, from Paul to the church in Rome. And in Romans chapter 12, familiar passage of scripture, uh, this is what Paul says. I'm going to read it from two translations. The first is the New King James Version, which is my preferred uh, translation. And this is what Paul says. He says, I beseech you. I implore you. I exhort you. Man, I'm begging y'all. I'm appealing to you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Somebody say dead man walking. This is what he's saying. He says, I beseech you, not in my own strength or my own ability, but he said, I beseech you by the mercies of God. He's saying, when you consider how merciful God has been, it's a reasonable ask. When you consider all that God has done and the promise of all that God will do, What I'm about to ask you is actually reasonable. He's saying it's not too much to ask. And so so he continues, he continues, and he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, that's the word, reasonable service. He's saying in view of what God has done for you, to present yourself as a living sacrifice is a reasonable request. Verse 2 goes on to to give us some insight into how this is going to happen. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. How am I transformed from who I used to be and what I used to be to who I can become? It is through the renewing of my mind. Because my thought life becomes the lid on my life. You and I will never rise above our most dominant thought. In fact, your life and my life will always move in the direction of my most dominant thought. 
For the Bible declares in the Proverbs, wisest man who ever lived, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So Paul says, if we're going to get this thing right, if we're going to leave Egypt behind, we have to renew our mind. And that's where the transformation happens. In fact, the word that's used is metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis. And God wants to do such a complete work of transformation in you that you leave absolutely no trace of what you once were. That people will look at your life and there's no way to detect that this butterfly started out a caterpillar. I'm talking about without a trace. Absolutely no trace of what you and I once were. That is how complete and how total the transformation of God is. When we'll simply ask God to get it out of me. Because it's possible to go through life, walking around through the promised land, carrying Egypt around here. And God was so intentional, and God was so deliberate, and God was so... so adamant about it that he said, listen, I ain't going to bring you into the land of promise with a wilderness mentality. Hmm? So tonight, that's our prayer that God will get it out of us. Why is that important? The renewing of the mind. Why is that important? Because when our minds are renewed, then the Bible says we can prove or test or examine and discern what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You and I can know what God's will is for our lives when we renew our minds to God's word. So that what God says and what God desires for our lives comes through the right filter. May I submit to you that most of our struggles in life are the direct result of Clogged filters. God's word comes in, uh, goes through the filter, and it's totally distorted. And we hear it wrong. So Paul says the solution to that is you have to renew your mind, and we renew our minds according to God's word. Let me read it from the message paraphrase. It'll give us uh, even more clarity about what Paul is challenging the church at Rome to embrace. And then we'll dive into Exodus chapter 20 and we'll make the correlation there. <clears throat> In the message paraphrase, this is, this is how it reads. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Come on, that's the good news that you and I don't have to do it by ourselves. In our own strength or our own ability. He gives us the grace, listen to me, with every command of God comes the grace to fulfill it. So when God says, I want you to do X, Y, or Z, with the commandment comes the grace to fulfill it. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life, y'all see that? You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. 
He's inviting us into a life of surrender. It says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. It says, here it is. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And that is the dilemma that you and I must live with as long as we find ourselves on this side of eternity, that we are in this world but not of it, that God has created us in Christ not to fit in but to stand out. And so Paul says, Paul says there ought to be a distinction between the believer, the Christ follower, and everybody else. For those of us who name the name of Christ, there ought to be a difference. Say this with me. I am the exception. Yeah. That's what people should see when they examine our lives. So today's message, let me tell you what today's message is, is, is really, really, really all about. It's really a question that we ought to ask ourselves. What is the ruling influence in my life? Is it Christ or culture? That's the question the Egyptians or the Israelites had to wrestle with in the wilderness. What is the ruling, governing, defining influence in my life? Am I getting my cues from God? Or this culture into which I've been steeped and entrenched for 420 years. Why do I think the way I do? Why am I the way I am? Where did I get my cues? What is influencing me to... Listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> At Converse Church, we call it our marinade. Your marinade is whatever you've been sitting in. Your marinade is whatever you have normalized in your life. And can may I suggest to you that sometimes it's hard to unmarinate the steak. You know what I'm saying? And that's why Zig Ziglar said, every child is born to win, but along the way many are conditioned to lose. Listen to me. My heart goes out every time I read the book of Exodus because you're dealing with two million people who have been subjected to 420 years of trauma. No wonder they're tripping. Listen, as I read through the book of Exodus, I read through that book with great grace and mercy because of what they went through what their parents went through, great-grandparents went through, and the trauma they passed down generationally. And there's a reason why they acted the way they are. Today we will call it PTSD. And God didn't only have to do a work where he had to renew their minds. God had to restore their souls. I'm talking about healing. Deep, deep, deep Deep, 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 deep healing. That's what that scripture is talking about. It's not talking about behavior modification. It's talking about life transformation. 
And for those of us who don't realize it, 2020 and the effects of 2020 are still lingering. If you didn't realize it, if you didn't realize it, there's a whole bunch of us walking around broken because of the direct and indirect effects of COVID-19. When I say COVID-19, I'm not, not just talking about the virus. I'm talking about both the direct and indirect consequences of it. The problem with too many of us is we learn how to play hurt. Isaiah Thomas, in 1998, rolled his ankle and limped through the rest of the game and scored, I think, almost 30 points, limping through the whole game. And that's what most of us do. Instead of saying, listen, I am in pain. I need to sit out somewhere and get fixed. We learn to play hurt. And that's what we're seeing in the book of Exodus, starting right around Exodus chapter 13, when God brings them out. He brings them out physically, but they're broken internally. And my assignment tonight is for us to begin to ask ourselves that question. Hmm? Number one, what, what is the governing influence in my life? Is it Christ or is it culture? And I think that's a secondary question. Am I good? Like for real, am I, am I good? Man, listen, <laughs> yesterday I told Pastor Wendy, it was a conversation that I had that someone said something that was well-meaning. In fact, it was encouraging. But as I played what they said back in my head, it triggered something in me. And it let me know that, Ray, you ain't all right. But as a pastor, it's required of me to put on my game face now and press through. But in that moment, just one comment that someone made, and it was well-meaning. In fact, it was encouraging. But it triggered something in me that was unresolved. Somebody say, get it out of me. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man's mouth. And that's what the fixation was with the, with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Don't eat this, don't eat that. In fact, the whole conversation started with, hey, man, your disciples eat without washing their hands. And Jesus said, y'all fixated on the wrong, all these external forms, but it's really what's in a man that defiles him. So, so God had to get it out of them. So there are certain things that God had to get out of them, and he gives them, the Ten Commandments as these guardrails to keep them on course, right? It wasn't to cramp their style. It was to get Egypt out of them. It was to change their thinking about a lot of things. In fact, the Ten Commandments are both vertical and horizontal. And so when God gives them the Ten Commandments, he gives them certain instructions about how they are to relate to him vertically 
and then how they're supposed to relate to each other horizontally. Both their relationship with God and their interpersonal relationships. Because you know what? I got to break this marinade. What you've normalized is actually abnormal. I have to help you confront your blind spots. And this is how we define blind spots at Converge, right? When you are oblivious to what is obvious to everybody else. And God will say to them, there's some stuff about your life that is obvious to me that you're oblivious to because that's your normal. And God says, I want you to prove and test what my good, pleasing, perfect will is. And in order to do that, I got to change your thinking about a lot of stuff because you have normalized a whole lot of stuff over the last 420 years that I didn't order. So there's some things I need you to unlearn, and there's some things I need to undo in you as it relates to how you relate to me and how you relate to your neighbor. Are y'all with me? Get it out of me. Today, I'm just going to talk about the first four commandments because the first four commandments deal directly with our relationship vertically with God. So here it is, <clears throat> and pardon my modern-day paraphrase. I wanted to bring it forward a little bit. What was God saying to the Israelites and does that have any significance and import for us today? Now, let me say this crystal clear. Because I know maybe in this congregation and maybe somebody watching online, I like to call them the grace police. And they're going to say, Pastor Ray, why are you preaching from the Old Testament? Why are you talking about the Ten Commandments? Don't you know we're under grace? Absolutely we're under grace. Everything we believe and everything we teach is filtered through the person of Jesus. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, this is what the Bible says. In sundry times past, God spoke through the prophets. But in these times, he has spoken through his son, Jesus. So if you ever hear me preaching something from this pulpit that doesn't align with the person of Jesus, check me. Because everything in this book points to Jesus. The Old Testament is a blind date for what God was preparing his people for in the New Testament. Are y'all with me? In the Old Testament, you kind of have an idea. I don't know if they still do it. Like back in the day, I guess they used to put it in the ads. And they would say, you know, they describe you six for the, I don't know how they used to do it, but. You said, no, I don't, know. I don't know how they did blind dates before. But, anyway. but maybe if somebody set you up on a blind date, they would, you would have an idea of what this person would look like. Like if a best friend hooked, set you up with somebody. You know, before selfies and phone cameras and all this stuff, they might describe the person. And you would have an idea, a shadow. That's what the Old Testament is. It is a shadow of things to come. It can only be understood through the person of Jesus. So to all my grace police out there, we preach Jesus at Converge, all right? So here it is. Let me give you the first example of how we preach Jesus, and it is in the first commandment. The first commandment declares, you shall have no other gods before me, and what Jesus was saying is, I am your day one. God was saying that. 
He was saying, I am your day one. And just in case you don't know what your day one is, go check it out in the Urban Dictionary. Your day one is someone who has been loyal to you from the start. Your day one is someone who is with you through thick and thin. Your day one is somebody... Y'all get, catch my drift. And what God was saying to them, bringing them out of a culture that was polytheistic, meaning many gods. The first thing that God had to deal with is commandment one, which is an exclusivity clause. Like if we're going to do this thing, it's going to be exclusive. I ain't going to be your chief God. I'm going to be your only God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And God was saying to them, if this thing is going to work, you got to flip your way of thinking from Osiris and Iris and Isis and all these gods that you painted in your hieroglyphics where you worship multiple gods in the pantheon of gods in Egypt, and there is only one God, and I'm exclusive to you. And that's why he said in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord our God is one. You know, that's what you're talking about. I'm talking about those of us <laughs> who trust Jesus and. Now, we talked about this extensively at the beginning of the year, did a series called Supreme. In fact, we got a sweatshirt out there that says Jesus over everything. And we live in a pluralistic, polytheistic society where even for Christians, Jesus ain't enough. Maybe it's Jesus in my horoscope. Maybe it's Jesus in Miss Cleo. Maybe it's all roads lead to God. Maybe it's all truth is relative. Your truth is just as valid as my truth. And there's no such thing as absolute truth. And the Lord said the first thing y'all got to fix is this thing that you got where you trust more than one God. Are y'all with me? Mm, let me get back to my notes so I can stay on course. He said, I am your day one. The first commandment is an exclusivity clause. You are not to have any loyalties or obligations that hinder or undermine your relationship with me. Uh, they had come out of a polytheistic culture, and polytheism is the worship or belief in multiple deities which are usually assembled into a pantheon of gods and goddesses along with their own religions and rituals. You find it in Egypt, you find it in Sumerian culture, you find it in Greek, Roman, even today in Indian culture. Conversely, monotheism, mono meaning one, is the belief in the singular transcendent God. Listen to me. He is singular one and he is transcendent. Can't nobody step to him. Can't nobody touch him. He is enough. He is all you need because he is more than enough. And God had to bring them. He had to change their mindset from trusting multiple gods, multiple versions of God to trusting a singular God who is transcendent. To all my grace police, you know how we say that? We say Jesus over everything. We teach Colossians chapter 1. 
that he is supreme over everything, the firstborn over all creation. What God is telling them in the Old Testament is Jesus is enough. Are y'all tracking with me so far? And if our minds are going to be renewed and if God's going to get it, all that stuff out of us, the first thing we have to establish is our trust in the true and living God. He is enough. I always say it this way. Thank you, Pastor Wood. Thank you. Yeah. My wife wants to make sure I look good on camera. That I ain't shiny like Jermaine Jackson. Come on, I don't know what Jermaine be using. <laughs> Jermaine be greasy. <laughs> Come on, them finger waves on the side too. I think Jermaine had the original Gorilla Glue. Y'all remember? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Jermaine, whatever was on his head was unshakable, man. Come on. <laughs> Jermaine head said, I will not be moved. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, I love Jermaine. Yeah. Um, what was I talking about again? Um, day one. Day one. And one of the things that was characteristic, oh, I don't want to, let me not say that. Let me not say that. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. God is saying to us, uh, uh, I'm everything you need. I'm more than enough. Okay. So let's establish that if God's going to get it out of us. And, and here's, 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 um, here's a good uh, litmus test. Wherever you turn first in crisis always reveals where you've put your trust. Come on, somebody. Some of us in this room guilty of picking up the phone and calling Big Mama first. Because Big Mama is a rescuer. For some of us, prayer mm, is our last resort when it should be our first response. So what God was saying to the Israelites is, as you make your way from Egypt into the promised land, learn to turn to me. Exclusively. Exclusively. I'm not your chief God. I am your only Okay, point number two, point number two. The second commandment. <laughs> Your pastor got a little creative with this one. Second commandment, here it is. Honey, don't shrink the Lord. Don't shrink the Lord. He said, what are you talking about? Second commandment is a prohibition against idols. Well, what I got to do with honey, don't shrink the Lord. Anybody remember the, the movie back in the 80s? Honey, I. Let me help you understand what I mean by that second commandment. Here it is. God cannot be imagined or invented. He must be revealed. Anything that you and I imagine or invent and call a God is our attempt to reduce God to our explanation of God. So when you and I take it upon ourselves 
to carve an image, to make unto ourselves a wooden image or whatever, we have reduced God to our ability to understand and explain him. And so what God was saying to them, here it is, uh, here it is, uh, idolatry is our human attempt to create a visible representation of the invisible God, to ascribe the character of the creator to created things. But here's the dilemma. The God of Israel is an infinite God that cannot be manipulated or manufactured with our finite minds or human hands. So God says, any attempt to replace me with any idol is an attempt to shrink me into your understanding. Now here it is to all my grace police. The only acceptable representation of God is Christ. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's why he said again in John chapter 1 and verse 18, no man has seen the Father except the Son who was in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. That word translated declared is he has introduced him. Are y'all with me? Uh, the problem with idols, you got to find some place to put them. And most of us don't have idols that we put somewhere on our mantle. Some people do. But I'm talking about the Christians that walk around with idols. We put them right here. And can I submit to you the first idol we often enthrone? Itself. In fact, that's the, the first sin in the Garden of Eden when they chose to do it their way. Let me show you another passage, Romans chapter 1. Uh, just so you know, we teach the New Testament here at Converge. Romans chapter 1. Here it is. Uh, Can I just say, if, 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 if we don't get the first commandment right, everything else is out of order. Levi played coaches pitch baseball for two seasons. I didn't grow up playing baseball. I'm not a fan of baseball. Chuck, I know you love baseball. Outstanding pick, pitcher. Catcher. Man, loud and wrong. Outstanding catcher. I didn't know nothing about baseball, except this is one of the things I do know. Once you hit that ball and you're making your rounds around the bases, it doesn't matter. If you get to second, third, fourth base, make it home or whatever, if you don't touch, if you don't put your foot on first base, if you don't touch first base, it doesn't matter that you made it all the way to home base or home plate. If you don't touch the first, everything else is out of order. So I'm going to show you a verse here quickly that helps us understand what happens when we don't acknowledge him as the only true and living God. Listen to me, that he's not only chief among many, but he's our only God. This is what happens. We resort to idols. Romans chapter 12, let me read this for you, uh, beginning here at verse, is this helping anybody yet? 
Let me start at verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19, because what, we, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. So it says, first, God shows it to them, but they suppress it. Verse 20 says, for since the creation of the world, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen and understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. Verse 21, here it is. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see what happened on first base? That even though they knew God, they did not acknowledge him as God and then entered the futility in their hearts and their minds were darkened. darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image. Here it is. Here's the idolatry. They exchanged the image of the incorruptible God into what? An image made like corruptible man and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Listen, idolatry always begins with man. When we dethrone God and enthrone self. And so what the Lord is saying to them as he's bringing them out of Egypt into the land flowing with milk and honey is, number one, acknowledge me, and number two, dethrone self. Listen to me. Every idol needs somewhere for you to put it. People put it in temples. Some people put it in shrines. But when it comes to God's relationship with you and me, he's not looking for a shrine. He's looking for your surrender. So we trust the creator, not created things. Not me, not my ability, not my achievements, not my acumen. We trust the creator and him alone. Are y'all tracking with me? Number three, number three. <laughs> All righty. I think I won't get in trouble for this one. But the third commandment is do not take the name of the Lord in vain. Here it is. What God was telling the Israelites he got from Birdman. Put some respect on my name. Come on. You're like, Birdman, put some respect on my name. All right, if you ever watched, listen to The Breakfast Club, y'all know what I'm talking about. Birdman, hip-hop artist, he was upset because people were throwing his name around and he didn't feel like they were putting respect on his name. This doesn't seem like a big deal, but there's a reason God told them not to take his name in vain, okay? I'm talking about how to get it, all right, how to get it out of us. Too often, y'all, we use flippant phrases like, 
Oh my God. I swear to God. God told me without fully considering what these statements mean. God's name is synonymous with his character and reputation, and it is not something to take lightly. We are to honor and we are to hallow his name. Psalm 29 and verse 2 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. And then in Luke chapter 11 and verse 2, this is what Jesus said. He was teaching his disciples how to pray, and this is what Jesus, he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means holy. It means worthy of reverence. It means to separate from profane things and dedicate to God. It means to consecrate. It means to sanctify. It means to set apart. The name of God was so holy that when the scribes were, 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 were writing the ancient text, many of them would stop and go and bathe themselves in order to write the name of God. In fact, I have a friend, and Pastor Jesse knows him. I was an intern at a church, and we were interns together. He was a messianic rabbi. And whenever he would send an email, he would write G underscore D. He never wrote the name of God. Because as a rabbi, they, they took such care and reverence when it came to the name of God. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Let me tell you why that's important. Ah, boy. In fact, let me go. Uh, the tetragram, the four-letter name of God, which is Y-H-W-H, uh, uh, is a tetragram. And observant Jews and those who follow the Talmud uh, don't even say that name. That's how much honor and reverence they have for his name. In fact, Jewish traditions do not pronounce, nor do they read aloud the name Yahweh or Jehovah. Instead, they replace it with a different term, whether addressing or referring to the God of Israel. And here are some common substitutions that you would hear a Jewish person an observing Jew used, they would use the word Adonai, which means my Lord, or they will use Elohim, which means God. But they will never use the name Yahweh because of the reverence they have for that name. Now, let me tell you why that's important. For the believer. In fact, let me say this. Before writing the name of God, a scribe often would, would bathe and then they would reverently wipe their pen and say, I am writing the name of God for the holiness of his name. Reverence. So when we use phrases like, oh my God, the God of Israel is more than a response to our exasperation. That's what most of us have reduced him to. Number two, I swear to God. God and the name of God should be more than a validation of what we're saying. 
That's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than that is from the evil one. Number three, number three. Oh, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> Woo! You know, I got a lot of people that come to me and they say, well, Pastor Ray, God told me this. What you think about it? I tell them I ain't got nothing to say. If that's what God told you, I ain't got a near word to tell you. And then look at me confused. No, if God told you that, why are you coming to me? I ain't got nothing to add to it. And that's what we say. Listen, listen, I'm going somewhere with this. This is important. Uh, uh, God told me. Yeah, here it is. Don't be guilty of spiritual forgery. Where you assign God's name to something he hasn't endorsed. Now, what's the big deal with all of that? Here's the big deal. I think, I think there's a level of power that we have lost in the church because we've lost reverence for that name. When the Word of God declares that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, that the righteous run to it and they are safe, but we have reduced him to a Will Ferrell joke, sweet baby Jesus. If that's how you see him, when you lay hands on somebody, you think they're going to get healed? We have become too flippant. And we have lost our reverence for that name. And just in case you forgot, he earned that name. In Philippians chapter 2, let me read it to you. For those of us who like to play with what God said we should hallow, and reverence. It says in Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He earned it. He made himself of no reputation. Number one, stripped himself of all of his divine prerogatives for you and me who used his name flippantly and made himself of no reputation. He could have been born in a palace, but he was born in a manger. He earned that name. And then he not only made himself of no reputation, he took upon himself the form of a servant when he could have come as a king. When the scripture says, and being found in the appearance as a man, Wow, this is what humanity feels like. God in the flesh. I call him the undercover boss. There are just some things you just don't know when you're the CEO. Until you exchange your CEO cap for that person working the fast food line. Anybody ever see the show? It totally changes. The perspective of the CEO. When the CEO takes off the CEO cap and has to clean some toilets in his company, it shifts the culture. 
And Jesus became the undercover boss so he could feel what you and I feel. He earned that name. He earned that name. He found himself in the appearance of man. Not only that, he became obedient to death on the cross. He died so you and I could honor and reverence his name. Even to death on the cross. Now notice verse 9. Come on, if you're old school, you all know what time it is with conjunction, junction. What's your function? Come on, Chalisa. You got to get Lil Lopez hip to conjunction junction. That's old school right there. What's the function of a conjunction? See? Come on, somebody. You're all over it. This conjunction we're about to see connects the previous thought to this new thought. It's cause and effect. Verse 9 says what? Therefore, in light of what he did, in light of what he experienced, therefore, therefore, God has highly exalted him, highly exalted him, and has given him a name that is far above every other name. God himself put respect on that name. And he says, from this day forward, in that name, men will be saved and be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. From this day forward, people will call upon that name and be delivered from death and accidents and unforeseen incidents. But guess what we've done with his name? We've made it a joke. And so one day, one day, there was this bunch of guys who saw the power that Paul walked in, and they tried to mimic what Paul did. And they went to cast out these devils. And this is what they say. They say, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, Anybody else remember what happened to him? Yeah. Name didn't work for him. And how many of us have lost sight of the power that's in that name? How many of us have lost sight of the power that's in that name and don't realize that that name was earned before it was exalted. And that name is, listen to me, that name, in that name, in that name, the precious name of Jesus. The precious name of Jesus. Listen, it is the key that unlocks all of heaven. Man. And I implore you, I beseech you, and I don't say this being legalistic, but I say maybe it's time to stop and begin, and begin to reverence and honor that name because of the power, because of the power that's in that name. Number four, this is where I close. I already went long. 
This will help somebody, but this is where I close. The musicians can come because I'm going to close right here. The fourth commandment. Fourth commandment. <clears throat> fourth commandment. Ah. Before I go there, man, be back up off this God told me. Back up off it. Back up off it. And put some respect on his name. Number four. Fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Uh, I don't know. This may not be for everybody. But again, God is establishing new rules. He's establishing new rhythms to get Egypt out of them. And for a people that had been enslaved for over 400 years, God said, we're going to do this thing different. And God instituted this thing called work-life balance. He had to get Egypt out of them. He had to get Egypt out of them. And may I just ask you, man, or let me just say this, let me just say this. Ah. God was teaching his people how to live by faith and not by sight. And most of what they did, listen, let me say it this way. God can do more in your life in six days than you could ever do in seven. Somebody asked Chick-fil-A. Could it be that there is a correlation between the lines that wrap around that building every single day and the fact that they have honored the Sabbath? Could it be? Could it be that when S. Truett Cathy said, you know what? I'm just going to honor God. I don't know how many millions of dollars they make every day, but you say, you know what, God? I know you can do more in six days than I could ever do in seven. Why is that important? God wants for us to learn to trust him. He wants us to learn to, listen, if, you're, if all you ever saw was work, 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 and your entire identity was wrapped up in what you did, it'll be hard, right, to divorce yourself from that. So how do we get it out of us? Here it is. Here it is. Ah. God established the importance of work-life balance at creation and required it of the Israelites. He required it. And God said, I established it at creation, and I'm requiring it of you going forward. Work-life balance. Three things, three things God wanted to establish for the Israelites. I believe it also belongs to us today. He commanded the Israelites to do three things. He said, I want you to rest from your work. And what God was saying to them was, I want to move you from servants to sons. I want that to sink in for a second. You remember the prodigal son, first thing he said when he went back to his father's house? He said, listen, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And sometimes we think we can perform our way back into God's good graces. But God simply wants us to come on the basis of sonship. Not as a servant. Not as a slave. 
and he says rest. Now, why do we rest? We rest, here it is, we rest so that we can reflect. Just to stop long enough and to see all the good that God has already done. <sighs> what he's already done. Pastor Wendy says it often, God, if you didn't do another thing for me, you've already done enough. Just to reflect on his goodness and to see his hand at work in every area of our lives. Number three, ah, this is where I'm going to end, and I started to go there, I started to go there earlier. But the third reason we rest on the Sabbath, and again, it's not restricted to a particular day, but we set aside time to rest. Here's why, so that we can recover our soul. Listen to me. Most of us ain't doing okay. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll stop long enough to say, God, I ain't doing all right to stop long enough to allow the shepherd of Psalm 23 to restore our souls. And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, and I promise you this is where I close. There's so much more I wanted to say. But in the message paraphrase, this is how it reads. This is Jesus who said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is how it reads in the message paraphrase. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? First thing he says we ought to do is come to him. And he says, get away with me and you will do what? You will recover your life. Ah, Somebody needs to hear that tonight. You will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. How did he do it? Work six, rested one. Watch how I do it. And then he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Whenever I read that verse, that, that particular part of the verse, this is what I hear. I, I, I think of a ballroom dancer. And if you're going to do the waltz, man, somebody's got to lead that thing. And the waltz becomes more beautiful when you allow the person who's supposed to lead to lead. And the Lord says, just watch me and see how I do it. He said, I won't lay anything heavy come on, or ill-fitting on you. Come on, ladies, I know y'all can appreciate. Y'all know, y'all, when y'all, when y'all throw, y'all, listen, dressing room, y'all put, come on, y'all know when it, that don't look right, when that ain't fitting right. Come on, y'all know, and the Lord said, I won't put anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Worry? Nah, girl, that don't look right on you. Anxiety? Mm, that ain't your color, girl. Are y'all with me? He says, keep company with me. Keep company with me, and you will learn how to live freely 
and lightly. So what was God doing with the Ten Commandments? God was trying to get some stuff out of them. Their reliance on all these other gods. Their reliance on idols, things that were made with hands. He was trying to get them, what's the third commandment? Uh, to put some respect on his name. And putting respect on the name of God means you recognize the power in that name. And number four, he wants to move us from servants to sons. Hebrews chapter 4 says, there remains a rest for the children of God. He says, labor therefore that you might enter rest. That sounds like a paradox. He said, if you're going to work on anything, work so you can get to the point where you enter my rest. So, Father, we come to you in that strong name, even the name of Jesus. And, Lord, tonight we make a conscious decision to be influenced by Christ, not culture. God, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's right. Just because that's the way everybody else does it, that doesn't mean it's best. And so, Lord, in this season, as you move us from where we've been to where you want us to be, we ask you, God, to get it out of us. Every other God, every idol, in the areas of our lives when we've, when we've lost our reverence and our honor and our respect for you and your precious name. And in the areas of our lives, God, where we've tried to perform our way into your favor and your acceptance, God, would you help us to see that we are your sons we are your daughters, and we are accepted in the beloved. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Did that help anybody tonight? Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being with us. For those of you joining us online, uh, if you um, have any questions about the message, if you have any questions about your faith walk, if you just like some more information about how to grow in your relationship with Christ. And for those in the audience with us this morning, uh, we'd like to invite you to send us an email to info at weareconverged.com. Our team will contact you uh, promptly, and we want to send some materials to you to help you jumpstart your walk with Christ. Amen. Uh, we ask you to stay connected with us on social media. Uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at We Are Converge. And uh, so you can stay abreast of all the exciting things that are happening here at Converge Church. All right, why don't you stand with us? We'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Amen. Anybody encouraged tonight? Come on. Yeah, yeah, I'm encouraged, man. I'm encouraged. We're getting better. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear. Or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us 
at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com slash give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.